Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Can't Get to Heaven in a Miniskirt podcast. And welcome to our second ever mini-sode where we will be celebrating Easter. Easter! Easter! Want to tell me about your background, Jess? Yeah, so I have a Zoom background that is depicting the true meaning of Easter, which is obviously chocolate. And tell me about your background, Sarah. My background is the crucifixion, which is obviously within Christian circles. That's the main part of Easter, from Good Friday to... (laughs) Easter Sunday. It's not about chocolate. What? If you would like to find us on social media, you can find us on TikTok and Instagram at Heaven in a Miniskirt, and you can visit our website at heaveninaminiskirt.com. So this is our mini-sode. We're going to talk about Easter stuff. Not chocolate, though, unfortunately. We aren't going to talk about chocolate. But I am representing the chocolate here on Zoom that you will not see because we are an audio-only podcast. Maybe we can start off with talking about what Easter was like for us growing up in our respective churches. Do you want to start us off? Sure. So I grew up, and I've talked about this before, I grew up Catholic, but not like super Catholic, casual Catholic. We would go to church most Sundays. We always went to church on Christmas and Easter. Like later when we stopped going to church every Sunday, we would always go on Christmas and Easter. So Easter service would mostly just include a story of the resurrection in catholic churches in my church around the whole church there was like all these plaques and the plaques would depict and i think sometimes on church it's on the stained glass windows so in my church the plaques would depict the points of the crucifixion and resurrection and so And I don't know if we did this in church or Sunday school, probably Sunday school that day. We would go around to the different plaques and they would like tell us. It was so boring, Sarah. They would tell us like, then then Jesus did this. And then Jesus. And it's like a plaque. Like, it's not exciting. It's not a cool picture. And then we'd go around to like the 15 different plaques and they talk about the different points of the resurrection. And I remember talking to my mom about what she did on Easter when she was younger, too. So she was raised way more Catholic than I was raised. And she said Easter was so depressing. Like she hated Easter because it's very solemn and it's just sad all weekend because you're thinking about the death of Jesus. So she was like, it was just awful because Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like no fun allowed. So she hated Easter growing up. I don't think she got any chocolate on Easter. And then no Easter egg hunts. No, I don't think so. Not for my mom. But for me, outside of church, then we would do the Easter bunny stuff. We definitely got the Easter egg hunt and chocolate bunnies. And it was the best. And I love chocolate and mini eggs. So that that was my Easter thing. Like the plaques, that was something that I kind of just remembered right now. And it was so, I just remember it was so boring. Uh, so you got to make it, you got to make it interesting. Got to have some pizzazz. Yeah. You know, who's good at making it interesting is the Baptists and the evangelicals. They make things interesting. Well, there was one <laughs> denominational church in the city we grew up in that every year they have this crazy production and it was like, you yes, know, Jesus coming down from the ceiling and like lots of people go just because it's a really it's really well done. It's a really it's like, good theatrical play. Yeah, it's like Easter the musical. And <laughs> I, it wasn't a musical or was it just I remember going one year and funny story. It was the day that I first saw the movie The Ring and <laughs> I was so that was in grade seven. I will never forget seventh grade. 
I watched The Ring. I was scared. I couldn't sleep without a light on for, I swear to God, five years after that. I had to have a nightlight. I was so scared. I hate horror movies. And I remember going to the Easter play that night and it was like dark in the theater. And that's my like association in my brain. (laughs) It's like, I was just so scared and it was just like creepy with the resurrection and oh, this is awful. So See, for me, like growing up, it was like, Easter was symbolic of like the hope of your salvation because as you know in the Baptist church there's a big emphasis on being born again and asking Jesus to come into your heart acknowledging that he died on the cross for your sins your sins were placed on him and then he rose again pure so that you can rise again and you can go to heaven so he was the one that took the place of you because like according to The concept of original sin, we are all sinners, we're all filthy and impure, and Jesus died so that we could be made pure in God's eyes. But then we still have to accept Jesus in our heart and ask forgiveness for our sins. So I have a question for you. Jesus died on the cross so that we, if we accept Jesus and God into our hearts, then we go to heaven. Yeah. But if we sin, if we ask Jesus into our heart and then we sin... What happens if we don't ask forgiveness for our sins? Well, like the initial asking is supposed to be a cover, like a one all. You don't have to go and confess every single sin, but you are to be trying to live a pure lifestyle. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have the fruits of the Spirit, which are like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control, I think. So, I mean, if you think about the classical, like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then John 3.17 was for God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it through him. Hmm. So that's the whole premise of the view that, okay, this was a sacrifice. And according to Christian tradition, this goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. Because when Eve and Adam have committed the first sin, they've eaten the apple, the snake had tempted him, like, basically, God says to the snake that the offspring of, like, Adam and Eve shall crush you. And so Christians will say that's referring to Jesus coming and dying. There are some really interesting prophecies in the Old Testament that talk about like the nails in the I need to find them like Old Testament prophecies for Jesus' resurrection it is really interesting let's see Old Testament so the book of Hosea 6 1 to 2 so this is a book in the Old Testament it says come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn but he will heal us for he is stricken but he will bind us up for after two days he will revive us on the third day he will raise up that we may live in his sight so people would say that that refers to the, the, resurrection. the resurrection but yeah there are a lot of christians that say that the resurrection was spoken of and jesus was coming and fulfilling the prophecy of the old testament he was bringing in the new covenant where animals no longer need to be sacrificed in order for people to be clean from their sins before God. And it is no longer just Jewish people that are going to be saved. It's opened up to the whole world, to everyone. And so when I was a kid, Easter was like the most important holiday because this was the death and resurrection of Christ. This was our hope of salvation, like I mentioned. So we would always have like big Easter performances. So bigger than Christmas. I think it depended on the church, but they were like Easter Sunday was always a big thing when I was growing up in church. 
And for me, I always thought that the resurrection was God's beautiful show of love until I actually really thought about the fact that the whole Christian religion is based on human sacrifice as a way for God to forgive humans. And that was like God's idea. That was like his best that he had. (laughs) But who are we as humans to try to understand the mind of an all-powerful God? That's a great question. There you go. That's probably the Christian argument there. Do you want to get into the specific story? Do you want to hear about like because like the article yeah. I wrote kind of goes back into the specifics of what resurrection meant for people within Judaism. Okay, sure. Okay, so what is this article that you wrote? So you mentioned this off. I had a friend who had a blog and he asked if I could write like an article. I wrote this article in 2011. <laughs> this is <laughs> we were living together. And this was for fun. Like this was not <laughs> what are This you was doing? not an assignment. <laughs> this was for fun. For fun. Yeah. This was freshly deconstructed. Oh, so he had a deconstruction blog or a Christian? Like he was a Christian, but he was pretty like open to talking about different points of view. So I do you want me to start? Yep. So imagine you have a child. For years, you and your partner have tried to get pregnant and were faced with nothing but disappointment. Finally, the pregnancy test is positive. This child is your pride and joy. Then one day when you are at home with your family, you hear a voice say, Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. What is your reaction to this statement? Keep in mind that in this culture, sacrifice is a part of everyday life. Like many religions, ancient Judaism required animal sacrifice to appease God's wrath. Human beings are seen as evil by nature, and blood must be shed to cover their sins. However, this voice is not merely telling you to kill an animal. It's telling you to slaughter your own child. If this were to happen in today's cultural context, we would assume that the individual hearing voices was suffering from a psychotic episode. In addition, we would question the morals of a parent who blindly would follow a command to kill his or her own child. It is not difficult to see why this action would be morally repugnant. Yet this story of human sacrifice is celebrated as a metaphor pointing to the greatest sacrifice of all. Jesus Christ. Sacrifice in one form or another is pertinent throughout the Bible. The very core of Christianity is based on the human sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Salvation is only possible through the brutal torture of an innocent individual. We forgo the responsibility for our own actions by placing them onto someone else. The young children of Christians celebrate this punishment for their sins each year in Easter plays. One year I remember being dressed in an oversized robe in a feeble attempt to depict a six-year-old girl as a Roman guard. It was my job to nail Jesus to the cross. The blood blood on the pseudo-Jesus was not real, of course, but the reality of the crucifixion was. This was a replay of a tragic death. In conclusion, I would like to share a quote by first-century Roman Emperor Marcus Aurelius that has provided me with immense comfort in my journey from evangelical Christianity to skepticism. Live a good life. If there are gods and they are just... They will not care how devout you have been, but will welcome you based on the virtues you have lived by. If there are gods, but unjust, you should not want to worship them. If there are no gods, then you will be gone, but will have lived a noble life that will live on in the memories of your loved ones. So that was really good. I really liked the quote at the end, too. I'm sure I've heard iterations of that, but I don't know if I ever knew that was Marcus Aurelius talking. So I feel like I should read more into him. He seems like a pretty sweet guy. So, yeah. So, I mean, the biggest point that I think I got to was like the last thing when I was still a Christian after deconstructing and not believing in the literal Adam and Eve or not necessarily 
believing that the earth was 6,000 years old. The last belief that I had was the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I think I came to a point that I felt like if that human sacrifice is needed, like even if this is the God that's true, this is not a God that I want to worship. Like I don't view this as moral. So if I have to go to hell because I don't agree with bloodshed as a way to have forgiveness, then so be it. An interesting point, too, because when you said that, it kind of reminded me of something that Christians say is that God created us in his own image. And I think it's interesting when you become an atheist, you're like, if God has a plan for my life and he knows exactly how he made me, wouldn't he know that my morals wouldn't be able to handle this bloodshed? Wouldn't God already know that he made you to not be able to accept something like this? And then, yeah, that's a good point. He's going to send you to hell for how he made you. But it's barbaric. Like the fact that people talk about Abraham and Isaac and the sacrifice being kind of analogous to Jesus' eventual sacrifice. Like he never actually sacrificed Isaac. I always picture it being really fucking awkward. Like he goes up, he's like, we're going to go, we're going to go up the mountain. And then he like ties his son up and is like about to light the fire. And God's like, just kidding, here's a goat. And then they burn the goat and then like him and Isaac have to walk back down. I'm like, that would be really fucking awkward. Yeah. Sorry, I just uh... tried to kill you almost. But and why would God do that? Like, why would he be like, I was jealous and I just wanted to make sure that you loved me enough that you would kill your child. Like, he seems like a pretty cool guy. Yeah, I just (laughs) I don't know, man. I'm with you. I don't know. I think that like when I first heard that story. I don't think I was ever like, that's true. I think I was like, that sounds insane. And then everyone can say, well, that was the Old Testament God. And the New Testament God wouldn't do that. And I'm like, isn't it the same guy? It's I the don't get same it. God. It's the same guy. And I think even when you look at Jesus's crucifixion and resurrection, there are some Christians that are more liberal that say that human beings murdered Jesus and that God, even out of that murder and that death, God had him rise again. And that even when we go through hard times and we go through death, we can resurrect out of these hard times. Like there is life in death. So I think some people make it more of like a, they're like, it's a metaphor. Okay. So that lesson in life is actually a good lesson is that in hard times, we will rise again and probably be better for it, to be honest. But that's a huge stretch. So one thing that kind of spoke to me there is that like so Jesus is God the Trinity like we're not even going to get into that right now because that's a whole other subject but God sent his only son Jesus down to earth knowing that humans were going to murder and torture him and he was going to die on a cross so that humans could be forgiven for their sins but then he was resurrected and sent back to it just doesn't make any sense well it's like Like, why like my big thing was always why can't you just forgive yeah why does why does there need to be bloodshed like you are you're the one in charge you made the whole plan like and and god can obviously in this instance tell the future so he knows that humans are gonna kill jesus because humans did this Yeah. And it's so fear-based. Like, as a young child, as a toddler, a young child in Sunday school, like, it was terrifying that all the people I loved, all my friends that weren't Christians might go to hell for eternity. 
and that you had to figure out a way to get them to accept Jesus, right? That definitely wasn't talked about in the Catholic Church that I grew up in, which is really interesting. They don't talk about that. Like, accepting Jesus into your heart and reading the Bible and having a relationship with Jesus, that is a very Protestant thing. But the Catholics do believe that they're eating his body and drinking his literal blood. I'm not saying that the Catholics are right. I'm just <laughs> saying this is what we were taught, okay? Like, they have their own fucking problem. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... Do we want to get into the actual story for people yeah, that don't know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, get, like, let's the, the actual story is multiple because it's not one coherent account. Yeah, and I have some information on that. So there's... So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus. So there's some differences in each book. Comparing the resurrection stories... So in every book, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the time of day when they go to Jesus' tomb is very early on the first day of the week. And then where it differs is like who went to the tomb. We've talked about this before, too, because Mary Magdalene, we've talked about her. So who went to the tomb? In the book of Matthew, it's Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. (laughs) The other Mary. The other Mary. So many Marys. I know. Mark, it was Mary Magdalene, Mary, James's mother, and Salome. Luke, it was just the women. (laughs) Just the the women. women. Fuck them. And then in John, it's just Mary Magdalene. Yeah. So then the events that occurred, I think they're pretty similar. But basically, the events that occurred in Matthew is that there was a violent earthquake. An angel speaks to them and the women meet Jesus. In Mark, the women brought spices. The angel then speaks to them. The women fled the tomb, but they said nothing. In Luke, women, again, take spices to the tomb. The angels appear. And I think, and we're going to talk about the angels next, actually. There's kind of some differences in how many angels there are. The angel speaks to them, and then the women then told the disciples what they found. And then in John, Mary Magdalene ran to get Simon Peter. Simon Peter and the other disciple went to the tomb. Disciples left, and Jesus appears to Mary. So it's just slight differences. In a couple of the books, there's one angel that whose appearance was like lightning, clothes were white as snow. There's a young man dressed in white robes. In another book, there's two men appeared that gleam like lightning. And then another one, there's two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. Okay. What about the zombies? I have no idea what you're talking about. Tell me more. Oh, like when, so after Jesus was killed, I need to find uh, which verse and book had this. So Matthew... 27 51 53 and behold the curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split the tombs were also opened and many bodies of saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection they went into the holy city and appeared to many what you didn't hear about the zombies (laughs) so basically after jesus died there were just like a ton of like allegedly there were a ton of allegedly that came out of their graves and were just like walking all over the city that was not in the easter play that was not not in the that would be the best that sounds real walking dead so basically they just they were just like anyway they went to the city the end yeah we don't have to worry about those zombies anymore Okay. Yeah. All right, then. So there's that. Yeah. Okay. Zombies. No, they didn't talk about the zombies in this website that I saw. But we can see that, obviously, just like the Christmas story, there are obviously slight differences in the Gospels. It's different accounts of what happened. They're similar enough. It's like playing a game of telephone. And maybe they were all there at different times and, like, people didn't necessarily know who was the first. Like, I think that happens with if you're getting a story from someone. And it was like a game of telephone because this wasn't written until like 70 years after. It wasn't by the actual people. It was by like 
people who had talked to people who had talked to people. Sarah, it's all true. Okay. It's the word of God, so don't doubt it. And it might be. And some people believe that it's true. And even if it is true, I still think that God could come up with a better way to forgive people. I think we want bloodshed as humans. I think we want that sense of justice. And I think it's a very barbaric sort of solution. It seems very primal. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, and I don't think that a god, if we're talking about any kind of higher power, I don't think that they are primal like humans are. And so that's why I lean towards the story being made up. Because it sounds like it was made up by humans. Like humans making God in their image. Yes. Not us being in the image of God, but making God in our image. I think that's what it is. And it's a very testosterone heavy way of dealing with things as well, right? All I can think about is a lot of stories in the Bible are used by men, dangerous men. Not everybody that uses these stories is dangerous, but I'm just thinking like specifically people like Mark Driscoll. They're used to control people. And when we talk about bloodshed, when we talk about primal things, those things are used to control people. And that's why, like, I get, like, my shoulders are literally tensing right now. You can see them in the Zoom. Like, my shoulders are up here because, oh, like, relax. I'm thinking about just the power structures using these bloody stories to get what they want. And and how much fear it yeah. elicits for people. And if you grow up and this is all you hear... Like, and you assume this to be true, and it's coming from people in authority, then I don't know that people really think about, because when I was growing up, it was like, oh, this is so beautiful that God loved us so much that he'd do this. I wasn't actually thinking critically about the fact that it was human sacrifice, the fact that it had to be bloodshed and questioning why, why does that have to be the case? And I think ultimately that was like the straw on the camel's back for me leaving Christianity. Yeah. Because at that point, it didn't even have to do with science. It just was like, I don't think this is a moral way to do things. And even if it's true, I I don't want to participate in it. So the Easter story, the crucifixion of the resurrection was like the nail in the coffin. Yeah, that was like the last string that unraveled everything for me. I also want to highlight that I think a lot of Christians have a lot of comfort from the story in having that covering for their sins. And I think that a lot of people who are Christians and believe that God has this deep love for other people and they're trying to spread it. Like, it's good intentions, and it's not like it's all negative. But I just think about, as a parent, I don't want to sacrifice my child. When you were telling the story about Isaac, I was, like, starting to feel nauseous. Yeah. As a parent. It just, obviously, it hits different when you actually have a child. Like, it's against every instinct you ever had. And if if there was a voice in my head telling me to hurt my child, I would be like, hey, I'm unwell, and I will not be following that unless I'm in a psychotic state. And that happens, and it's called postpartum psychosis. Or psychosis in general, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, wow, now I'm sad. (laughs) <laughs> hey, I haven't been sad for Yeah, a while. you haven't been sad in a while. We've had some, like, good episodes, but... Yeah, now I'm sad. I think in general that the resurrection, like, that is a very central belief within Christianity because the difference between Christianity... For example, okay, in Islam, in the Quran, mm. Jesus is called Isa, and he is, like, a major prophet, but they say that he was on the cross and then God took his body up to heaven, so he wasn't actually killed he didn't resurrect so Mm -hmm. he wasn't the messiah no they say he was the messiah but it wasn't the same sort of like placing our sins like on him and him being the human sacrifice type of thing it was like Mm -hmm. humans did this awful thing to him so i mean the way christianity views jesus is different from other religions that have jesus as a major figure like 
Christianity views Jesus as God. Yeah, I mean, that's literally what Christianity is built on. (laughs) And even if Jesus was, like, most historians would say that Jesus probably was a person that was walking around in 4 BC or whatever. And I think it's a sad story. I think it's horrible. He got killed because they didn't like that he was speaking out against power structures and religious institutions and rigid rules. He was so loving and countercultural and that's why he was killed. I feel like stuff like that still happens. Like think about even 50 years ago speaking out for gay rights or before that civil rights. But I mean, there are still countries where Christians are being killed and persecuted Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. atheists are being killed and persecuted. Like there's just persecution in societies that don't allow people to have multiple points of view. And I think that's where like we can look at communism, we can look at power structures and we should value and hold on to things like free speech and we should value and hold on to things like dialogue. And And I just want to say that free speech, when you don't agree with it, still free speech you like you don't get it both ways (laughs) free speech is still free speech if you don't agree with it and you still have to just let people say what they want and i'm saying that for myself too because i find it very it's scary to watch people that are at the top of certain churches that are spewing hatred wrapped in jesus and i think that's really scary but they still have the right to do that and just as i have the right to talk out against how I feel so I think that's really the only way because I honestly think if Jesus were alive today and if Jesus could be a guest on our podcast like I don't I don't think that he would be that against what we're doing because I think that he interacted with people from a lot of different backgrounds he interacted with people he didn't agree with and he loved people and he advocated for not being like hyper religious and not being super concerned with appearances and he advocated for helping others and obviously I think the hardest part of leaving Christianity was because I had and have a lot of respect for Jesus as a moral example I think my problem with Christianity was that there was such an emphasis placed on his death when I think his life is such a richer addition to human knowledge that's true his birth and death are like the only things they talk about but what about what actually happened in his life. That's where my knowledge starts to lack because there's only holidays for his birth and death. But I think his life is so much more worthy of celebrating. I think the things that he said and the things that he added to philosophy and morality are huge. We can still hold on to parts of the Bible. We can hold on to beliefs. We can hold on to experiences that we've had that are positive. And you can be a Christian and still deconstruct and still find different meaning in certain parts of the Bible and you can change your views. And I think that sometimes we make God so small and we make Christianity so small, but it's huge. And no, I'm not a Christian, but I would still say that Jesus, like the person Jesus has had a huge influence on my life and my morality. Yeah, I'm even more sad now. (laughs) (sighs) Don't be sad. I just think Jesus has been so misunderstood. And I think Paul just ruined it i think paul just rebranded jesus he emphasized the death of jesus fucking paul man he comes up a lot and i don't like him and we're gonna have to talk about him we're gonna have to do the the low down on paul like i don't even know that much about paul and i don't think that everyone who's listening knows a lot about paul just yeah. the people that have read the bible front to back he was a short bald angry what do we call them what do we call those men that are like single and mad about it incels yeah he was a short bald angry incel 
Yeah. Paul is the OG incel. I've talked about that before. Yeah. So, okay. Well, all right. I... Let's talk about chocolate. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, I was gonna. I was just about to say. I think we need some chocolate. So I need chocolate. So should we wrap up? So in conclusion, let's be happy and let's stop thinking about bloodshed all the time as humans. But know that you can rise out of difficult problems, and the resurrection can be a lovely metaphor for rising out of difficult circumstances. Yeah, there you go. And Good. growth and. Chocolate and chocolate. I hate Bing. Can I just say how much I fucking hate Bing? Why would you ever use Bing? Sarah, you don't have to use Bing. What are you I know, doing? but it's like my homepage. Okay. You can change your homepage. Did you know that?